Hello everyone and welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Kat Smith here wanted to introduce our guest today. And if you have listened to our episode that aired last week, um, you would just have a continuation of it. We are talking with our dear friend Brenda, who is a yoga practitioner uh, for the last 20 years and who has been teaching yoga for over seven years and I am privileged enough to not only call her a colleague but also a friend and today we continue our conversation about equanimity and we are going to finish up um, all of the Enneagram types, all of the numbers that we have not covered in the last episode, and just really dive in into what equanimity means and how um, in practical sense can we achieve it. We think you would really enjoy this episode. When we finished taping, I told Brenda that It was probably one of the most human conversations that we have had on this podcast. So please tune in. We appreciate your time and your support and enjoy. Let's look at our fours. Um, So fours describe the deadly sin of envy as comparing themselves to others. But this can also lead to dissatisfaction with life, themselves, and others. And this sadness can lead to withdrawal from life and a tendency towards melancholy. They might say, if I only had this wonderful girlfriend or boyfriend or this job, then I'm going to feel whole. For say gratitude is often a wonderful practice which leads to equanimity. And um, I think it helps them to also not focus on what's missing, which is you know, a big thing for four, what is missing in my life. So as we focus on equanimity today, this is actually the virtue for the four. This is what they need. And equanimity for the four means the capacity to welcome all feelings, which means also the joy and the gratitude and find balance in their emotions. So when fours find the ability to not only feel great sadness, and anger, but also joy and any positive feelings, then they also are going to feel that equanimity. And when they can find a calm acceptance of the boring, that's that's something the seven and the four hold in common. They need to experience the ordinary and the boring. Then they start to thrive. They start to hold paradox. The world is broken, and yet it's also whole. There's that equanimity. So how does holding both the joy and pain of life help you, Brenda, to find equanimity? Well, that's one of the questions that brings me back to my 21-year-old self with little kiddos where I expressed to my counselor, I just want to stay home and cook and make a happy home for my kiddos. I just want to dig in my garden. I just want to do some yoga. I just want simplicity. Can I please have simplicity? Mm. And yet needing to like earn the money and make the house work and all of that. So that longing for simplicity. And I did experience more melancholy through disconnection. And I think you all said that the one goes Mm -hmm. to a four and out of balance. Mm -hmm. So I have experienced a lot of that. Like that's Mm -hmm. my inner conflict Mm -hmm. struggle. Mm -hmm. And I've been blessed to, um, to be able to focus on my yoga and a simple 
um, practice of giving and not be burnt out in the classroom to retire from the classroom has been helpful to me because that's just more opportunity to overachieve, overdo, and burn yourself out and just be so, so grateful. Like gratitude is huge. And I just don't experience a lot of melancholy anymore mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. because I'm starting to figure out who I am and what I need. And I just have so much joy. I am so grateful. Every time I turn around, like everything just makes me smile and laugh. And I just, and partly because I have such a good relationship that my husband and I have worked so hard on and we continue to, and we will, that um, I just feel blessed all the way around. So the, that, that um, taking the dog for a walk, appreciating simplicity, not, I remember always thinking, gosh, these girlfriends have it so easy, they make so much money, they have these big fancy houses, they can dress their clothes, their kids in these clothes, and all those external things that matter not at all. They're always taking these vacations. You know, I used to always wish I could move somewhere and be, do something different and change my life and have a different career. And it was always like the grass is greener. You were longing mm -hmm. for something instead of realizing, well, I mean, at the time, I, it wasn't a perfect, I wasn't in a perfect situation, but I don't long for that anymore. Even travel is a luxury and an exciting thing, but it doesn't bring the same escapism that it used to, if that makes sense. It brings a mindful presence with it and a, and a joyful recognition of the, um, of the um, abundance, of the, um, of the, and, yeah. There's a word that's escaping me. You know how lucky I am. Yeah. How lucky I am. Yeah. Sounds like you're very mindful to, to be grateful and to, to just live in the here and now and, instead of in the envy of what you don't have and what's missing. And So that four was showing up earlier on as a oh, stress huge. point. Oh, yeah. huge. And I do remember, and you've said this on your podcast before, Christy, you've talked about... Um, that if when you live in the future you live with um, with fear and anxiety and when you live in the past it's depression and I remember the counselor pointing that out and like what do you mean be present what do you mean you know mm. she literally had me choose a ball of yarn and place it around my chair to set my personal boundary I was like what is a boundary what are you talking mm. about you know what do you mean be present mm. she would say to me where are you right now mm. you had a good therapist oh yeah mm. yeah good I love that. All right, let's talk about fives. So our fives um, are the number in the Enneagram that tend to live in their head more than any other number. And that also can lead um, to them feeling and living their life detached. So detached from not only their emotional space, but also from their physical body. And that could lead to even you know not, not using their bodies body as much shallow breathing you know which makes it again harder to kind of connect to their physical and their emotional space so for a five what fuels them is seeking knowledge of course and what could set them off balance is relying too much on avoiding any social interactions avoiding sort of living in the world and stepping back into their headspace, into the knowledge space and research space and kind of hanging out there most of the time. So what helps them 
to kind of get to their highest potential is reconnecting with the space of their body and, and the space of their heart and connecting to the breath and connecting to other people. And the traditional virtue for the five is non-attachment. And it also could be looked at non-detachment, meaning that they have an open-hearted state and that supports their giving and receiving, that gives them that balance. And we would also propose that connection is another virtue and a higher emotional capacity of a five. So Brenda, the question to you is, fives find equanimity when they live in their body, heart, and mind. So finding that space where all of those three are connected. In your own life, how does it look like when you live out of all of those three intelligence centers? So head space, heart space, and the body space. Um, that's been my life's work. Mm -hmm. I have been pretty untethered. I mean, even now my feet aren't on the ground. I can be pretty vata deranged, even as a pitta. Um, so meditation, um, learning what it means to be fully present, and then also learning for myself for the right reasons, because I could easily be a hermit. Give me a few, like, lessons, classes, books, something I can go away, be by myself in a cave happy as a clown. I need so much alone time. I'm just like not fit for human companionship unless I get it. So it's um, a really hard practice for me to have that connection to body, heart, and mind. But meditation and definitely restorative yoga. Mm, yeah. Good. Bring it all together. Okay, so on to the six. So sixes handle fear by controlling their external environment to create security. And so the solution lies outside themselves. When we follow the rules, when we're reliable, when we do the problem solving, then we don't have to be afraid. That's what the six is thinking. We all benefit from their hard work, their planning, their anticipation of problems, and their Girl Scout preparations. But the path of equanimity must take them inside themselves to face their fears. Again, they're externally driven by the future and by what's going to go wrong. But when they go inside themselves to face their fears, to find mindfulness, meditation, and safety inside themselves, then they find that equanimity. So the virtue for the six is courage, and this is the willingness to feel afraid and to accept the inherent risk of being alive. Courage means like being the lion in the Wizard of Oz and acting with heart or where the lion gets eventually. Although fear may be present, you must go scared. Like I had a supervisor say that to me a long time ago, go scared. So what does it look like in your life to embrace your fears and go scared? Um, my six is almost in line with my nine but I found that interesting because um, okay you said something about the work of the six because going yes I have fear I have security fears mm -hmm. but they're very different I am not girl I guess I'm girl scout repaired prepared on some levels but I don't overthink it I'm a mm -hmm. big picture person mm -hmm. and so if I think about the risks I've taken in my life 
I thrive on that. Like, mm-hmm. Kat, you moved across the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I've mm-hmm. done such as that. Mm-hmm. And I thrive on that. And that's probably the older adrenaline junkie, cortisol-loving part of myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've lived for the excitement and the thrill. So mm-hmm. I had trouble with this one because I really love spontaneity. Um, I don't like to overplan my experiences because I want to be open to whatever's going to like come along. By the same token, I've got the return ticket just in case. I've got the, you know, the Airbnb is booked just in case I need to have, you know, I can change my mind. I've got the car so I can, you know, so I've got the safety net in place. But um, when I was 18, I remember thinking, I'm 18 now. I don't have to ask my parents permission to go travel in Europe. I can just save my money buy my own ticket. I'm not asking anybody for anything. They don't have to help me. I'm going to go travel Europe and backpack and study French. And I just did it. I took off for a year and it's like, oh, it's not really safe where I chose to live here. And I don't really love this school. And I had a, a, like a year rail pass. So every weekend I would jump on the train and go somewhere different, sleep all night. So I didn't have to pay for you know somewhere to sleep, wake up, explore. I found myself a new school and I moved to Switzerland at Christmas break. And I was like, I like this school better. I can, you know, the French, the quality of the French is better. And you know, the university was, everybody was like, you're in your second year of college. You can't just drop out of school and go do this. Like, what about your future. Oh yes, I can. I'm going to be a French teacher. I need to learn French. I need to go somewhere where nobody's going to speak English to me. And so I did that and um, came back and ended up getting all my French credits and electives. And I graduated in time and I was teaching by 21. Like I didn't suffer and I got a job because I learned French and they needed French teachers. So taking risk. I don't know why the six is so low other than the fear part. And then of course, like all of my friends, they're like, you're leaving a really great job as a vice vice principal. In a couple years, you'll be principal of this school. Like, what are you thinking giving up this career and this great location to live in the world to go live with this man? Like, what if, what if, well, what if it turns out great? Like, mm-hmm. what if, you know, I'm already a U.S. citizen. I, I can go do this. And my kids ended up wanting to come. And as it turns out, we've all gone around and around and it, Looks like we're all gonna like be settling down here. My mom's moved here. Like this is a pretty big risk. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go scared. Um, yeah. You've been doing that since you were a 18. teenager. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 So I mean, I guess you're encouraging those those sixes in the world to to go out and do it, to live out their dreams and to be adventurous. And it also feels like you've been going to the high side of the seven. Yeah. For a oh, long time in some yep. really healthy ways, because yep. you were just explaining this oh, this seven who loves to travel seven and see language. new things. Yeah. Oh so. my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I knew I wanted to have kids, so I was always going to be a doctor. And by the time I was in high school, of course, being a one, I'd burnt myself out probably three times already. Mm-hmm. Then I thought. I can't afford to go to college. It's really expensive in Canada. I thought I'm going to be in debt forever. I want to have kids. I don't want to have kids mm-hmm. and have to be, you know, heading off to the hospital all the time. And I, I don't want to be in school for 12 years. So I almost didn't go to college. And then, um, anyhow, I did get to have those kids and enjoy that experience. And teaching let me be at their concerts and see the things. And um, but. I remember thinking, well, when I have the kids, I'll continue to travel with them because that was always a thing. So I didn't end up doing that as much. 
but my daughter did. Oh. And I love that for yeah. her. She's lived in India. She's traveled Thailand, Vietnam. Oh. She's traveled Cambodia. She's lived in Australia and been a nanny. She's like, because I told my kids, whatever you do, do not be traditional. Do not grow up, get out of school, go to college, get married and have kids. Whatever you do, do not do that. Like, follow your dreams. And they've both been super, super eclectic and super original in their paths. And, um, and know, it's just blessed me. Sorry that I interrupted, but I cried earlier. I don't know if you saw when you said that your children belong to the world. And now I'm crying again. <laughs> because I think that just the way that you've described your kids, they're living out in the world. You've let them spread their wings and fly, and that takes courage. Oh my gosh, yes. Mom. Releasing your children into the world is so, so hard. And yet, that one first counselor, Gail, taught me your children need to be able to come home because the world is a battleground. And if you can't make your home their safety net, their one safe place where they can come and just be completely okay and at peace like they can come back to roost and check in and it's like that gradual release that we teach children right mm -hmm. i do you watch um, um we do together mm -hmm. you do i watch you go out and explore and then come back to safety what did you learn try again mm -hmm. like we have to let them go come back let them go come back mm -hmm. no judgment no shame no, you know, what did you learn? What do you need next? Kind of like, oh, there's no, who said that? It's not, it's Barbara Coloroso. There's no problem so great that it cannot be solved. Wow. It's like, it's that. like, how are we going to do that? How can I support you? How does it work for you to solve that problem in your life? How can you learn to listen and not just constantly be giving your kids advice? Because I told them, make mistakes. Just don't make the same ones I did. Yeah. <laughs> make your own mistakes. Make your own life, and I'm here for you. And yeah. I think that's a one in health to yeah. give their kids permission and grace to go out into the world and to release expectations of what they should do or what they're yes. supposed to do, yes. but to let them fly. And I just want to affirm that in yeah. you, that that's Thank beautiful you. and healthy as a one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very high side. I agree. Took my, took my breath away, <laughs> but maybe I'll get there. <laughs> well, let me ask you about seven, but first let me talk about sevens a little bit. So sevens are also the head types, and that makes them visionaries, and they are also very fast-thinking minds. Um, life for them is fine and positive, so joy is the operating word of life uh, of a seven. But at the same time, they seek to avoid suffering. So the joy sort of overpowers any anything else. Um, and, and suffering is number one on the list. So the problem is that this inhibits a full range of feelings. Sevens say it's more of a fear of suffering than the suffering itself. So when there's a little self-reflection and um, sort of a need to have more, 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 more of fun, of excitement, um, it will lead to continuing avoiding the pains of life that we all know it has. So moderation and sobriety is a virtue of a seven, and it will help them overcome their shadow side of gluttony. And it means refraining from intoxication of all kinds. And it could be travel, shopping, food, drink, adventure, 
competitive sport, adrenaline rush, whatever it may be. And moderation also involves the courage to stay in the present moment and feel the pain and fear instead of running away from it. So Brandon, my question to you, what are your own, if you have any, gluttony or numbing practices? <laughs> if you have just one, maybe you can pick up. How and, many would you like to hear about? <laughs> and how does, um, how does feeling your feelings keep you from running away from them? So how do you embrace your feelings, good and bad? I you know? don't very well. I have to sit with them a lot. Yeah. And I don't like to cry. I used to wear my heart on my sleeve. I worked really hard to control that. Um, I have lived with, you know, sadness when I'm out of balance. Um, I do experience gluttony. I do have to watch. It's like there is no scarcity. You don't have to eat the whole chocolate bar. You could choose to eat the whole chocolate bar and you probably won't feel good. When I'm out of balance, I do. I will have too many coffees. I'm loving this. Thank you very much. (laughs) So gluttony for sure. Mm -hmm. Feeling of like scarcity overdoing it. Um, So staying present and actually checking in with how do you really feel. Mm -hmm. So my yoga helps with that. Feeling my body. Acknowledging my limitations. um, Acknowledging that it's not the last ice cream on the earth that you're ever going to have, even though it's wonderful in this great location, that you don't need to have another one tomorrow. There'll be another one next week. Um, Mm -hmm. But also being mindful of allowing myself to overdo it if I feel like it. And then know that there may be consequences and then check in and make a different decision next time or not. Mm -hmm. So I move in and out of relationship to, to, to balance with that. But I'm trying to be more mindful of it. Oh, you're checking out again. You're overdoing it. Mm-hmm. You're um, overanalyzing. You're overthinking. Mm-hmm. Um, my mind is just like quicksilver, and it can just take me on a big old journey. So, staying present is mm-hmm. really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And meditation and journaling are my best tools. And I'm always thinking, oh, and then I should on myself. You left for that um, podcast today without doing your meditation. Oh, it's okay. You journaled. The journaling will help. Look, your feet are off the ground. You're not going to be grounded and present. It's okay. It's authentic. So it's just like this little conversation you have yeah. all the time. That inner critic. That inner critic, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, avoiding suffering. Yeah, counseling has helped. Journaling has helped. Um, I've been a classic number by being busy, being efficient, uh, not acknowledging my feelings. Just, you know, function, function, function. Classic. Mm. I don't really, know what else really to say about good. that. Thank you, Brenda. <laughs> well, let's look at our eight. So our last number for today. So eights can use intense anger as a defense against vulnerability. Why yep, yep, not yep. be angry? This anger affects their relationship and their health, their relationships and their health. When they practice softening, which we talk about a lot about in yoga, when they practice empathy and breathing deeply and getting underneath the anger to other more challenging feelings, then they find that equanimity. So anger can be healthy, but the emotional works for eights and for many of us is to not get stuck in it, right? So anger, of course, is healthy, but how do we not get stuck in it? 
When apes acknowledge their feelings of vulnerability or hurt and tell people, thank you, Brene Brown, mm. then apes start to thrive. And the virtue for the ape is innocence, which is coming to life and relationships with a childlike open heart. Mm. So for apes, it's actually getting back in touch with their softer childlike being, their essence, as you said earlier. So when an eight lets down their defenses and practices vulnerability, they move towards equanimity. So what does vulnerability look like in your life and how does it serve you? I think I'm pretty authentic. I wrote this down for the six, but I'm thinking this belongs more with the eight because a lot of people say I'm really naive. I'm too trusting. Um, I do believe in humankind and sometimes it comes back to bite you, but I don't overprotect. Um, how has it helped me? Um, it's taken a long time for me to let down my wall. Mm -hmm. I have a nice wall of protection around, I got this, I got myself, I'm good. Um, That's a one quality because you're in the autonomy triad. And I saw a client this week and she was talking about, she's a one and she was talking about the, I've got this, I've got this, I can do it all on my own. So keep going with that. Yeah. So being okay with um, your feelings, your hurt, with just being there uh, and, and then in relationship with an open heart, I've always felt a sense of like deep overexposure when I've ex allowed that part of myself to be seen I'm like oh gosh what did I do like how's that gonna come back to hurt me but my eight is pretty high I am still pretty open-hearted but I don't necessarily like that I don't necessarily well I wrote down innocence I don't know why probably because you guys wrote something about that but knowing myself enough it comes back to knowing myself enough to ask for what I need and then not be disappointed when others can't meet my needs. Um, building the communication skills um, for nonviolent communication so, um, so that my words aren't inviting that chaos that I long to avoid. And so finding ways when somebody says something from their perception, I don't have to correct it or change it. I don't have to, and then saying things myself so that it's like, are you challenging me? Are you questioning my like my feelings? Or you're feeling like you need to change that or correct that or it's not right? Or like, how do you find those words that stop all of that? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, the innocence. Um, you said, how does it serve me? I can't say it's always served me, but I see that it's pretty high when I look at my score. Um, developing boundaries has been good for me because of that naivete, that... Um, that open-heartedness, but knowing that I'm just human like everyone else, yeah. like nothing yeah. I've ever felt is any different from anything that anybody else has ever felt. Yeah. All the feelings, all the parts of ourselves, all that integration, we're all just walking our, our little lives on the planet, doing the same old, same shit, different pile. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, you can see me, you can see me, it's okay. Mm. I can, um... I don't know if that answered your question. I'm going to Go stop ahead. at that. It did. I love it. And I, I'm here to tell you, this conversation has felt very human. Yeah. Very human. Very, I, I cannot think of a better word. 
That makes me feel good, Kat. Mm -hmm. Because I'm working really hard on being a human being, not a human doing. I'm working really hard at seeing all parts of myself, learning to love myself the same with the same intensity that I love others in the world mm-hmm. by, you know, allowing myself the same grace and forgiveness that I willingly give others because I see the humanity in each of us and I I I just I I just trust in the good and trying not to get jaded and pulled down by the outside, you know, stay in my own little camp and just um but yeah, thank you for that. Of being... course. Well, to uh, round us off, could you please tell our listeners how they can find you, um, remind them of your website and where and when you teach for the mamas out there in Chattanooga and surrounding areas. And basically, we just want to brag on you. So can you please well, just brag switch. on yourself? That's kind of hard. I know. <laughs> I want you to do it anyway. Okay. Um... Well, I did start up a business, Stones Ripple Yoga, but I'm not super active with it because my plate is full. So I prefer that you, I mean, I do take a few private clients um, and I, I work with them over Zoom and I work with them in person. But I, again, I don't, I don't have any more space in my schedule for that at the moment, but the right people come into my life that you know, mm-hmm. I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, my the best places to find me are Yoga Landing, which is my home studio. My I'm just I've been at home there ever since my daughter found it, and she's like, "Mom, this is it. You're gonna you're gonna love this place." Uh, and that's where I've done my 200 and 300 hour trainings. And so mm-hmm. I teach prenatal yoga on Mondays at 10:30 a.m. And on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. So we got the bases covered for daytime and evening. Mm-hmm. It's my greatest passion is to come into that room and work with those women every week on their journey um, through pregnancy and into like those pictures that come on our private prenatal Facebook group and to my text messages with the two new babies that were born the last two days. Aww. I just, I tell them all, I'm like, I'm grandma to all your kiddos. I'm sister, auntie to all of you women. Like, this is like my happy place is coming and and helping women make that transition. The greatest thing I have ever done in my life is have my two children, raise my two children, and my greatest identity is mama to those two children, followed closely by, you know, daughter, wife, but my greatest joy is is those children they're lucky to have you and um you know i just yeah i knew i wanted kiddos but um they're just a they're just a blessing and they're both married so i have fur grandbabies i have um three step grand kiddos and four bonus um grand grand step kiddos and four bonus grand kiddos so um no human grand kiddos biologically connected yet but yeah mama that's that's my biggest what do you call that like in like dharma yeah whatever like yeah give me the whatever the little deity is for that put it on and let me just like step inside that that would be the cloak i would love to wear mama and um and i was that for my children in my classroom i was like i am mama wolf Legally, I am, you know, you are my cubs, this is our den, this is your safe space, and legally I am your parent in absent 
of your parent. Like creating that safe space for children has been my joy all of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other place you can find me is um, at the Y. I teach in Cleveland. I teach a gentle yoga class where we learn to listen to our bodies. People are welcome to come and move in a really um, safe space to adapt their practice, use props, not use props, come and do your PT on the side because you don't have to like perform for anybody. can look different. All 20 of you in here can be doing different things. I'm going to offer options. We're going to move slowly and mindfully because it's what I need too. And then I sub um, body flow. I got Les Mills certified to teach body flow because they, they invited me to sub it. And I was like, holy crap, this is intense, but fun. The one loved it. Um, and I, I sub uh, gentle yoga, yoga stretch at the Y also, and the occasional class at Yoga Landing. I'm looking forward to subbing for Gina a little bit, restorative yoga. I would love, love, love to teach restorative yoga, but I don't have the bandwidth, and that's the me learning to say no. I don't have the bandwidth. I that's don't. good to listen to that no that's coming up. It takes a lot of energy to give to people, to prop people up, set them up like that. I do it for my mamas, and that's all I've got. And it is so hard to say no yeah. to doing more. So hard. But that no is also a yes to yourself. And yeah, I just want to say we, we have been talking throughout this podcast about your scores, and we looked at your scores earlier and you really do and we looked at all nine of them like what you were high in what you were low in but what I want to say is you have a strong one with a strong two wing like you were really strong in your two and in a good way like I see that nurturing mama as you said in you but I also see that reformer like changing the world you know offering herself and her children to the world And I also heard you talk about your trusting heart that like, you know, and it is, it feels very open to me and very trusting and in a good way. And that's a two quality, like Mm. that's a very two-ish and you do have a strong two wing. And so I love that your heart is so open and I love how you're seeking to change the world. I love the boundaries you're setting. And this interview has been a joy for me. And I love, like Mm. Kat said, the word human, that you're, you're very human, like, and you're, acknowledging your shortcomings but also your strengths and that feels just really healthy and and seeing that in others too and that's when we allow for other people to be human when we allow for their weaknesses but we also see their strengths I think you're very good at seeing your own strengths and other people's which can be hard for one to do until they're in a healthy place and so I just it's been a joy. I'm going to say the word Thank joy. You, Your Christy. word is human. My word is joy. Thank you. We both. Thank you. We're so grateful for your time, yeah. for your generosity, and for showing up. Thank yeah. you. It's up. a little bit intimidating, but also exciting. Yeah. And I love your podcast. Aww. I was When I was away in Rochester, I was like, oh, I got the car to myself, and I'm driving to my yoga training with Judith Lassiter. I'm in my happy space being nurtured and I'm listening to these beautiful voices and these kind, wonderful people that I know as humans and and it's just, it's really educational. This this tool is very fascinating to me. Yeah. Aww. So thank you for putting that out into the world, you know, for people thank to you. learn. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. We really appreciate our loyal listeners, and I invite you to stay tuned for a short meditation that Kat Smith will lead after this word from our sponsor.
Hello everyone and welcome. Cat Smith here, hoping that you have enjoyed the episode that you just finished listening to about equanimity and our conversation with our dear friend Brenda. And now I invite you to join me for a short and sweet guided meditation on equanimity. If you're able to find a comfortable seat, find stillness, relax your body, maybe soften your gaze or close your eyes. Give yourself a chance to start noticing your breath Recognizing every inhale and every exhale. And continue to observe the breath until you find a sense of ease in your breath. Breath is moving in and out of your body with ease and balance. As you take your time in quiet seat, I want to share with you a very well-known serenity prayer. May I have the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Start imagining your mind being at peace. Start imagining how it would feel to go through your day with a peaceful mind. Now I invite you to imagine peaceful emotional state. Your emotions are well balanced. You feel calm. And think about what it would feel like to approach life with peaceful emotions. Continue to breathe easy, in through the nose, out through the nose. Continue to keep your body relaxed and comfortable. Finding the balance between every inhale and the exhale. Finding the balance between your peaceful mind and peaceful heart.
please continue to sit quietly as long as you wish. If you're ready to finish this short meditation, take a deep inhale through the nose and gently exhale out of your mouth. If you're sitting upright, maybe you let the chin bow towards your chest slightly. invite you to smile. Thank you for joining me for this meditation. Blink your eyes open. Feel free to go about your day and enjoy. Namaste.